0: Get the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's town
1: I'm a man. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fastline Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome
2: to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, we hear from FFA's Christine White about how the organization's members are coping with changes to the school year prompted by COVID nineteen, and we hear about planning for the 2020 National Convention. We hear from Kenneth Unruh about spring planter maintenance, and we have the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's take on President Trump's Defense Production Act order to keep open or reopen meat plants. We hear how Hitchpin is connecting farmers with goods and services, and we hear from the USDA about a timeline for USMCA implementation. Finally, we'll hear the music of Alex Schofield. You all want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, with COVID-19 prompting the closure of schools nationwide, many FFA members have had to find other ways to connect, participate in activities, and serve their communities. So we wanted to bring in Christine White, who's the Chief Program Officer with National FFA Organization's Programs and Events Division, to find out more about how FFA's members have fared throughout the uncertain times. Christine, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track.
3: Thanks. Uh, great for having me on and uh, look forward to talking to you a little bit more about MFA and all the great things that our students are doing.
2: So this whole situation blew up pretty quickly, and one of the biggest impacts was felt on schools, which were shut down nationwide. Your organization has more than 700,000 members in all 50 states in the Virgin Islands, and those chapters and the national organization had to react pretty promptly, didn't they?
3: Yeah, that was um, it. Was really interesting as it, it happened, and watching across the country as schools were moving more towards uh, closures, and then trying to figure out uh, the situation of whether they were going to online or whether they were using supplemental packets to continue the school process for our students. And I think one thing that we really learned through this process is that agricultural education and agricultural teachers are so resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, opened their their minds, their hearts, their opportunities to really make sure that they're staying connected with their their students and providing them opportunities to still learn, grow, and develop um, during this time through either online learning or um, hands-on activities that they're able to uh, help students do at a distance. And and obviously, some of our rural communities are struggling with the issues of broadband, and we've seen some of those communities step up um, to figure out alternative ways to still keep students safe, but be able to provide them with meaningful learning experiences uh, as they work through this COVID-19 pandemic.
2: And how are chapters keeping their members connected through all of this?
3: So we've been working with some of our uh, chapters through our national officers. Obviously, they've been impacted as well, and we've taken them off the road for their safety. And so they've been working with uh, connecting with students directly and being able to hold workshops, hold Um, Skype or Zoom conversations with students um, during their chapter meetings. We're also finding that the the connection amongst chapter members is so important during this time. It's the normalcy that they crave um, because they are so used to being active. And so we're seeing that uh, chapters are still having banquets. Um, They are doing them virtually and still learning and figuring out how to make sure that they are honoring and recognizing their students. Uh, Chapter meetings are still occurring. They're just happening through Zoom calls. Um, So they're able to still be able to do those normal routines, plan, um, create that social environment that a lot of uh, students are really longing for. Um, With isolation and and being at home, how we can still create those connections um, for them to grow and develop. And so we're really proud of the work that our chapters are doing, but really um, proud of the work that our national officers are doing. They're coming up with weekly programs that they are, um, developing and, and posting them through our social media sites. They're hosting fun activities for state officers. Um, they're also uh, creating and hosting workshops. And as our uh, chapter, our state conventions have been canceled and moving towards more virtuals. they're able to engage with members that way through keynote speeches, workshops, and, and, and other opportunities um, to still be able to have that reach and that influence Um, that they have throughout their years, They're just doing it a little bit differently this year, Um, and so we're very proud of the work that they're doing.
2: And what are some of the things that uh, FFA members are doing out in communities? Because I understand there's quite a few that uh, now have have, had some extra free time on their hands. They're able to get out and do some volunteering and and making a difference in their communities.
3: Yeah, so depending upon the (laughs) stay-at-home orders that are across the states, Um, We're seeing some states doing some various different things in their communities. And so we have um, one group that is um, really trying to answer the call around the shortage of food um, and also looking at the uh, crisis around dumping milk and looking at um, some of the other food supply issues that we're uh, finding right now. And so we have chapters that are out fundraising um, dollars through giving sites to buy food that is otherwise maybe uh, surplus or would be dumped to then be able to provide to local food pantries. We have other chapters who are um, able to figure out how they can do um, and support community members of the elderly that may not be able to go out and do shopping on their own, coordinate with them to be able to pick up those um, necessities for them and do porch pickups or drop-offs Um, of those pieces. And then we're also seeing where um, activities that would normally happen, um, we had one chapter in Wisconsin that usually would do some type of um, Easter activity with Easter Bunny and and those pieces. And they wanted to still make sure that those students, um, those young children, still had an opportunity. So they teamed up with the local fire department and delivered Easter baskets to each of the school age children within the community um, with the help of fundraising and then working with the fire department to do porch drop offs to each of those community members. So we're really seeing our students think outside of the box. They still have that heart for service. Um, they're just trying to figure out how they can make a difference um, and still follow the safety precautions that are out there um, and being mindful of, of those pieces. But um, we're seeing uh, students activate. They're, they're figuring out ways that they are able to uh, create um, engagement and still serve during this time of uncertainty.
2: So, I mean, these are really uncertain times here. The school year is uh, starting to draw to a close here, but that, that's the time when a lot of the uh, uh, other activities that, that you guys would do would, would kick in and I understand that for the first time in 50 years, uh, this has prompted the uh, cancellation of the Washington Leadership Conference for this year.
3: Yeah, um, so each year, each summer in Washington, we would offer seven sessions of the Washington Leadership Conference. And obviously with the travel restrictions, COVID, um, and those situations, uh, we made a decision this year that uh, we were going to forego that experience um, in, in light of the safety of our students. And also knowing that there was travel restrictions, um, that, with schools being closed and et cetera. We're also seeing across the country that our state conventions um, are being uh, – altered canceled for postponed or training to pivot to a more of a virtual experience for students that's also impacting at the local level uh, career development events and and other contests um, that would normally happen during this time we're waiting to see as states start to open back up or get some clarity from governmental officials how that will impact states and the types of camps that they offer this summer Um, as we do expect that some of those may be transitioning a little bit as well, as we're all still trying to really understand this very fluid situation and the regulations that will come out as states start to open back up, social distancing. Um, But from our perspective, it's all about the safety of our students and making sure that we're able to keep them safe. And so some of these decisions that we've had to make that, that were very difficult, Um, knowing that they are uh, long-lasting pillar programs for the organization. But we made those decisions um, in in light of making sure that we were able to still maintain the safety of our our
2: participants. Well, the other long-lasting pillar program that you guys have that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about now is the National Convention, which happens every fall. I know that's something that takes months to plan. Uh, Where do things stand with that right now?
3: Yeah, um, so obviously all eyes are towards October and really looking at the situation. Um, Right now we are in a active plan mode for hosting a convention and expo in um, October. However, but the reality is we are also looking at contingency plans. Um, We know that there will be um, some things that'll change from the event management side of how we host large events. Um, Last year we had close to 70,000 members Uh, a part of our event, and so we know that large group gatherings may have some um, different things that we'll need to take into consideration as we make some plans for October. And so at this point in time, we are still planning um, and anticipating uh, having folks with us together in October. However, we are realistic in knowing that we will continue to monitor the situation. And if we uh, need to make some different changes uh, to that event, we will share those out at an appropriate time.
2: And you guys are really good about uh, sharing information, not just to communicate to Uh, the members, but to the public at large to help them understand uh, what you're doing. If folks want to know more about the mission of FFA and uh, the great work that is being done by the uh, members there, uh, where can they go to to learn more?
3: Yeah, you can follow us on our social media um, outlets, uh, the National FFA Organization, or the uh, really great places to visit us on the web, um, www.ffa.org. Um, we provide a lot of updates. You can uh, get to see the stories that our students, some of the ones that I mentioned, and some of the successes that they're having during this time. Um, and it's just a really great t- place to reconnect um, with FFA and, and see how our students are truly making a difference to become the next leaders um, that will lead agriculture and lead the world um, for generations to come.
2: Well I tell you what that's that's great stuff and we sure do appreciate you taking the time to come on here and and, and discuss it with us and uh, certainly as things progress over the next few months we will be back in touch and and uh, let, let our listeners know what's going on with FFA. But, Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today on Fastline Fast Track.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great one.
2: Well, next up this week, the President's Defense Production Act executive order to keep open or reopen meat plants will take workers. But thousands are sick and livestock industry officials have few easy answers to the dilemma. At least 5,000 meatpacking plant workers are directly affected by the virus. As of this taping, 17 have died and at least 20 plants have closed. Pork and beef processing is down by some 25%. The president's executive order that the plants are essential and providing personal protective equipment and plant liability protection may help. But how do you keep open or reopen plants with fewer workers? Force fearful ones back to work, or enforce safety without liability? Here's National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Vice President of Government Affairs, Ethan Lane, who's been a guest on the show before.
1: That's going to be on the on the backs of those individual uh, uh, packing plants to to manage their their workforces. You know, they're, they're making line speed adjustments, they're putting space between workers, uh, changing the way their cafeterias operate. We've even heard reports of some plants designating one person to operate the microwave so that multiple people aren't touching multiple buttons.
2: Much of the new guidance directed by new OSHA and earlier CDC recommendations are all voluntary. But there's another problem.
1: But what they can't control is what happens when these plant workers go home at night. And what they're actually seeing is that those are the infection hotspots. It's not in the plants. The plant is the safest place that most of these workers are going to be during the day. And what they're actually seeing in some places is that where these plants have shut down, infection rates are going up for the workers because they're at home and the social gatherings off the clock are, are, are causing concern.
2: Lane says the executive order recognizes the need for healthy workers.
1: You need to have the workers. You need to have healthy workers. That speaks to the need for testing, antibody testing. You know, let's make sure that those those workers that have already come through this process, like any other part of the economy, uh, can get back to work. uh, Once, you know, once we've seen people uh, uh, either quarantine or or, or deal with an outbreak, um, that, that they're coming back online.
2: Lane says the executive order lends consistency to what before had been a hodgepodge local response giving the secretary the authority and resources, including for masks and other protections, to keep workers safe. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, this week, U.S. Ambassador Robert Lighthizer provided some insight into when we'll begin to see the implementation of USMCA, the new trade agreement between the United States, Mexico, and Canada. We get this report from Rod Bain with USDA
0: Radio. July 1st. That's the expected date that the
4: U.S.-Mexico-Canada
0: Free Trade Agreement, USMCA, is scheduled to enter into force.
2: This agreement is
5: historic in many ways, easily making it the biggest agreement in
0: history. That from U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer from last year. Ambassador Lighthizer recently notified both Congress that Canada and Mexico have taken measures necessary to comply with their USMCA commitments and our nation's other USMCA partners that the U.S. has fulfilled its own procedures to implement the agreement. Among the highlights of USMCA from the U.S. and U.S. trade representatives' perspective,
5: We have secured greater market access for our farmers and ranchers. We've also agreed to a first-of-its-kind review and termination provision. Which will ensure that the USMCA will not become unbalanced and out of date. New provisions designed to eliminate unfair trade
0: practices. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the US Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
2: We'll have more on USMCA on Fastline Fast Track as that July 1st date approaches. Well, next up in many parts of the country, spring planting season is in full swing, and that means it's time to make sure that those planters, sprayers, and other important pieces of equipment are in good working order. So we wanted to bring in Kenneth Unruh, the president of Lewis, Kansas-based Kenneth's Sales and Service, to weigh in. And Kenneth, welcome back to Fast Line Fast Track.
5: Good to be here. Thank you.
2: Well, we had you in about this time last year, and uh, you were such a great guest for us that I wanted to make sure we got you back in here. Uh, I know this is a very busy time uh, of year for you, so I really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, guys are starting to uh, uh, get stuff off mothballs now, get, get it ready to get into the field. And, and with that uh, come some surprises sometimes.
5: Oh, about all the time because they find <laughs> out or are surprised by the fact that they haven't, haven't did any maintenance on that pump or that system when they put it away last year. And so now they've got plug-in issues and they've got pump issues that don't work and that type of thing. You know, you when you park it in the fall or in the, after spring planting, whatever it is, whether it's a driller or a planter, you need to do a little preventive maintenance so it can be ready to go next year. And I have found over the many years of business I've been in, if you will store them pumps on the implement, but somehow store them with RV antifreeze in them, you know, whether you have to take the hoses off and uh, hook the suction to the pressure side or whatever and keep it wet, then it's ready to go next spring when you take that hose off and hook the regular lines back up because they haven't stuck. You take a hydraulic pump, for instance, the impeller will stick, and uh, if there's fertilizer in there, then it has a lot of uh, white, granular stuff in there and you got to get that out of there and the easiest way is never allow it to be in there and then it also helps keep the seal from getting knocked out now on a hydraulic pump for instance if you will take and um, when you shut it off go into float so you don't turn the motor into a pump then that seal will last a long long time and never run it dry never run it dry just a couple seconds run dry knocks that out if you have ground driven stuff it's the same way that stuff will turn into granular in there and then it it sticks everything as it goes through the system it plugs orifices and increases the pressure in the system might blow some plumbing so you need to have that all cleaned out and the best time to do it is when it's all lucid and liquid in this when you finish using it and they're not hard to flush out and then hook once again, fill it with our Vienna freeze, and hook the, the uh, lines together. We have seen a rash a rash of pumps come through here. I think we did eight yesterday. Repaired them because they'd stored them with fertilizer in, wow. and now they won't work. And uh, so, and if the if it's a diaphragm pump, if the diaphragm is out, well then it's got fertilizer in the cavity where the oil's supposed to be in. That sticks and ruins the bearings, and now you got to buy a new pump. The pumps are built to last a long time, but they do take a little care. They're like your vehicle. If you never changed oil, how long do you think they would last? Well, it's the same way here. They do you a good job when they're taken care of, but they need to be taken care of. And then, you know, the system, you have enough trouble with fertilizer in the hoses and stuff that if you haven't flushed it out after use, well, that turns white and it plugs everything up. So preventive maintenance, I guess, is what I'm kind of impressed with today because of how much of that we've had to work on for people. We don't mind helping them. We like selling parts and stuff if they need them, but we don't like our customers spending money they don't need to if they'll do a little bit of that on their own. And so to get your stuff ready, do it in advance instead of pulling it out of the shop and say, well, I want to plant today, and you put fertilizer in it and find out nothing works. Then it's harder to work on. I'm not telling most farmers anything they don't know, and most of them probably won't heed my advice, but uh, that would be helpful to them <laughs> if they would do that.
2: What are some of the other common calls that you get this time of year?
5: Well, um, you, got, you still have wear stuff in the system, whether it's orifices or tips if it's on your sprayer there's still wear stuff. If the tips are worn, your pattern will not be so good, and then your spray job deteriorates from there. So a new set of tips would be in order. There's a vast difference in wear on different materials. Uh, Stainless steel has one set of wear, and then if you have some uh, new age plastics, some of them will outlast stainless steel by 10 times. But uh, you need to pay attention to all that And usually you can catch that when you look at the pattern on the spray tip. You can see that it's got heavier or bigger droplet sizes in one area of the spray pattern than the other. And that's a good sign that you need to change your tip on your sprayer. Um, On an orifice, if you do a catch test ever, well, that will tell you that too. But for instance, we have a, a, a polymer type orifice that, we have molded for us that will outlast stainless steel 10 times and they cost about 92 cents versus two dollars and 12 or 50 cents depending on where you buy it for a stainless steel one you know uh so in my case if you buy some from us and we'll ship them all over we do ship them all over and they fit in everybody's uh, molding it doesn't matter that's a universal fit why it won't cost you much just to throw the old ones away and put new ones in so it, it's a maintenance thing, just a maintenance thing. And if you're ready to start and you've got your planter all loaded and nothing works, you, know, you could cause yourself some other problems with the fertilizer drying out again in some parts of the systems that you thought you had cleaned out. So it's uh, just a good thing to put water in first and then move to your fertilizer. And so
2: you guys specialize in drill setups, planter setups, tillage setups, tubes and tube holders, and uh, you make all kinds of specialty parts and and a whole bunch more.
5: Yeah, we do specialize in that. It seems like I've designed more stuff this spring than I ever remember designing. Uh, And, you know, John Deere has now radically modified their, like, 1990 CCS drill i got to build everything new for that and uh, great plains has done the same thing so i get to redesign everything for them and uh, of course for planters they're changing depending on your equipment the planters vary everything we build probably is particularly for that one single planter so we custom build the stuff if the farmer will call and tell us what to have well, we can tell them whether we can take care of that or not. In the same way with stainless steel tubes, there are so many different varieties. Do you want uh, right or rear placement behind the press wheel? We'll build your tube for that. Do you want it in row? We'll build you a tube for that. It just depends on how you want it. But always remember, the tube is not designed for any tillage. It's designed to place fertilizer and placement just makes money for the customer.
2: So you guys are, are, are as busy as ever, but you're having to navigate, uh, like everybody else, everything going on with COVID-19. How have you guys adapted and uh, anything special you're doing to, uh, uh, to to make sure that you're keeping customers safe and uh, keeping things moving forward?
5: Well, that does affect. And where it affects us worst is not being able to get the inventory in to sell that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of this type of stuff that we use comes from across seas, Italy or somewhere over there. And Italy, as you know, was hit hard, and they shut that country shut down. I know the plant that builds our pumps is shut down until June, hmm. and so whatever was in motion on ship containers coming over when they shut that place down is all we're going to have. So we've had to find creative ways to do some stuff here on occasion. But the important thing is that we have to get the farmer going because he only has a window of opportunity to get planted. And so as far as our installs go, the thing it affects the most there is we can't eat in restaurants when we're on the road. Mm-hmm. And our service trucks are on the road at least three days a week. In fact, today, when I'm headed to Paris, Texas, and I'll be headed to Sterling with mine and uh, you know, we just have to find something to eat somewhere and uh, it's affected us worse that way. We haven't tried to isolate ourselves from the farmer we're working for. Uh, Oh, we may not shake hands with them like we used to and wish them well. We'll bump elbows or fists or (laughs) like uh, two weeks ago, I was at a town in Northeast Kansas and every farmer shook my hand but he left his leather gloves on. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So uh, it, it, we're, we're not just throwing caution to the wind, but it can't affect us too much because of what we have to do to get them going.
2: Well, if folks want to know more about the work being done by Kenneth Sales and Service, uh, where can they go to, to learn more about
5: it? Well, we have a website. It's www.kennethsales.com. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-S-S-A-L-E-S.com. Uh, You have to put two S's in there or we'll never see you visiting our website. We we have a pretty thorough website there showing what we can do. And if you don't see what you want, call us. Our phone number's there. We will listen to you and see what we can do for you. Uh, But uh, we're kind of a niche marketer. We build stuff to fit the use that the farmer needs and uh, get it to him.
2: There you go, and we'll throw that number in there, 620-324-5562. Make sure you give those guys a call if uh, uh, you've got any needs there. And again, that website, kennethsales.com. And Kenneth, we thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on FastLine Fast Track.
5: Well, I appreciate that opportunity, and Brent is the uh, parts man who will answer the phone. And I'm not always here because i got to be running around designing and installing, so... He will always be here unless it's after hours, of course. I do make him go home.
2: (laughs) Again, that's Kenneth Unruh, the president of Lewis, Kansas-based Kenneth Sales and Service. Well, a few weeks ago at Commodity Classic in San Antonio, we had the chance to catch up with Trevor McKeeman, the CEO of Manhattan, Kansas-based Hitchpin, which has created an app that allows farmers needing products or services on the farm to connect with others who can provide them. We had Trevor on the show in March 2019 as the app was just taking off, so we wanted to get a status report. If you need an extra set of hands on the farm or you need hay or alfalfa or other products, you should probably be paying attention to Hitchpin. Trevor, welcome into Fastline Fast Track.
6: Hey, uh, it's great to great to see you again. A chance to visit. And so they have just
2: incredible technology that they have developed that uh, allows uh, farmers and uh, folks needing uh, services to, to to connect, and I'm going to let you explain where you guys have been in the last year since we talked, give us kind of an overview, and uh, we'll go from
6: there. Sure, well we've, we've uh, covered a lot of ground since our last uh, conversation, and you know, Hitchpin is, is similar to sort of an Airbnb or Uber for farming. So guys that have equipment that they would love to um, list their service out there can do it in about 60 seconds. And, and then guys like my dad can find somebody to, to cut wheat or, or uh, they can buy and sell hay. And they can do all that really fast. And, and the nice thing is we handle the payments between the buyers and sellers. So it protects both sides of the equation. So tell us about the growth since
2: we've talked to you uh, last March.
6: Yeah, so we've we've been growing at between twenty and thirty percent a month, um, and you know it's it's really interesting because you, you think about uh, when Airbnb launched, it was the depths of the housing crisis, and so it was suddenly a little less crazy to rent a room out in your house if you're going to lose your mortgage, and if we think about farming, you know, commodity prices have really been down the last several years, and so there's a, there's a lot of challenges right now in the ag space, and that's when you. When you see new technologies come up that that hopefully can be helpful, so I think I think the producers that are that are joining the app and and uh, you know listing their services, these are guys that are kind of looking down the road and they say, you know, if I can pick up those two or three jobs or if I can cash flow that farm a little better, um, you know, I, I've got a shot at surviving this kind of downturn that we're in. So tell me
2: about the development of the app over the past year. I know you guys are constantly going in, improving, working off of consumer feedback. What has that process look like?
6: Yeah, you know, I, one of the reasons I enjoy going to shows and just seeing kind of the technologies that are out there, and, and you know, even this podcast is neat because you're, you're saying, what are those things that are going to change the way I do business going forward? Like what, what is that profound technology that um, – that will change everything, and I think you know, hitchpin Certainly, we're we're looking at that. Um, um, I, I think we're we're going to be part of it. But there will be other technologies that are out there that are that are connecting buyers and sellers in a more efficient way. And and um, you know, from where we're at, we we started with hay sales. Uh, hay is an interesting market. It's about twenty one billion dollar business just by itself, and we've been adding services at a rapid rate. Um, like I said user growth is user growth is really gone up and uh, we're adding new services and products every day so I was just visiting with guys that are are doing cotton so we're going to be adding cotton services um, we've got specialty crops uh, some of that coming in um, there's no shortage of things to build in agriculture and no shortage of complexity either and uh, as you were telling me off, uh, off air here even uh, aquaculture possibilities yeah we've we, it's just amazing uh, we were at a farm show the other day, and a guy said, "Can we list crawfish?" And uh, you know, it's something I'd never thought of. But if but if you think about uh, buyers and sellers out there, and if he can find a bigger market for his product, uh, then we're doing him a service. And frankly, from a customer perspective, you know, you're you're able to find the things that are around you w- much more efficiently. Uh, you know, I always l- like to joke if if you're going to book a flight and you couldn't use the internet or a travel agent to do it, how would you do it? It, it seems crazy to call every airline and then call back the one with the best price and the best flight, but that's where farming is today. And it, I think in five years we'll look back on this podcast and we'll say, well, of course we were able to order a service or a product via an app. I mean, it, it'll it'll seem like the stone ages that we spent the day calling around trying to find somebody and we're not there yet as, as far as an industry, but we will be soon.
2: So Trevor, if they want to know more about Hitchpin, where can they go?
6: Sure, so uh, just hitchpin.com. Um the, the full app is there. And then for those that have an iPhone or an iPad, they can search in the app store, uh, search for Hitchpin. It's all one word, um, agriculture, and the app is free to download from there. And for Android users, they can just open up a web browser and type in hitchpin.com. Excellent.
2: Well, we appreciate uh you guys doing that and uh understand uh, that you guys are going to have a special code for folks that uh w- want to uh, uh investigate making some purchases through there.
6: Yeah, you know, just as uh, for, for uh, listeners of the podcast, we will create a special code. So if you if you download the free app, um, there's a place to put a code in and you can use Fastline Fast Track for that. And when you do that, um, any any transactions through the app for 2020 will be free. And so the app is, is always free to, to list your products and services and to browse for those products and services. Um, and with this code, actually, even the transfer of money between the buyer and the seller will be free. Super. Well,
2: make sure you go check these guys out. And Trevor, it's great to catch up with you again. And uh, i love to see a success story, and I'd love to see what's happening here with Hitchpin.
6: I sure appreciate it. And I think these, these, uh, what you're doing, getting these stories out there, just in general, is very interesting. I mean, there's so much, so much activity out in agriculture, so many interesting things. And just to be able to, to learn about those things from other producers is, is really fascinating.
2: Well, finally this week, we take you back to pre-quarantine times, when we had the opportunity to catch up with emerging singer-songwriter Alex Schofield at the Ernest Tub Record Shop in Nashville. He's a soulful songwriter with a great sound and a background in agriculture. We can't wait for you to hear from him now. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop 417 Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. It's my honor now to bring in Alex Schofield. Alex, welcome in to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, good to see you. He's got a new album out, Songs from the Van. Uh, a picture of a white van on it. That's Uh, right. uh, Not sure if you should be approaching that van, but... (laughs) It doesn't look like it, does it? He's just selling CDs out of the back of it. That's about it. (laughs) So don't worry about it. Alex, a native of Saginaw, Michigan area. Yes, sir. So uh, what brings you down to Nashville? How did you uh, get the bug and decide this is where you need to be? Man, uh,
4: I've always had the bug, I guess you could say. Uh Um, Grew up on classic country. My dad listened to... uh, He was a big fan of all that Merle Haggard, Willie, Johnny, Waylon. So I've always been around the country bug, I guess. Uh Um, And then all this, just been a big fan of it and and loved singing. So uh, it was about, it kind of, I kind of took a break from it though and just kind of played sports in high school and didn't really touch anything, Mm. uh, guitar or nothing like that. And then about after college, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and I kind of just thought I'd give it a try no and so uh i toured around uh, michigan for a while and then i toured around the country for a while Mm -hmm. and i was like all right what's the next move and nashville was it there you go what'd you study in college uh just business management okay something simple that's that's
2: important to have here that's uh, true in this business because there's uh, plenty of people that would want to steer you in the wrong direction that's yeah
4: Good to be able, good to be able to handle your own affairs. You've been here yep. for uh, a year and a half now. Just, right? just a little over a year and a half. I moved here in March of uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was going to move here sooner, but some uh, unfortunate circumstances put that van, which I was going to move in, <laughs> uh, happened, and then uh, I needed to buy a new van. And uh, I kind of converted that. I, uh, both vans I had um, a bed in. Huh? I pretty much lived in the van when I moved down here in March. And then, uh I kind of actually for a year, I lived out of that van and out of an office building where I was living or where I was working, okay. They gave me an office and a cot, so I slept in there for the first year and that's Nashville, ladies and gentlemen that is Nashville, I guess you could say yeah, It's still alive <laughs> and well in, in those You're, regards. and you came down as a songwriter when did uh, when when did you first start writing songs? um it was kind of. It was kind of when I first really got serious about playing guitar, which was around college. Uh, I went to college for only two years. I got my associates. But, um, yeah, it was about the time I was graduating. And I, like I said, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was always into music. And my dad always had guitars around the house. He was more of a campfire picker, though. Mm -hmm. And so it was nothing serious. And, um, yeah, I just kind of asked my dad to show me a few chords. And then that turned into taking lessons from uh, another gentleman um, and then that turned into playing open mics and playing open mics I didn't want to just sing covers the whole time Mm -hmm. so I just you know picked up a pen and paper and I thought if I you know listening to it my whole life I thought you know this I'm gonna give it a try so I just I just wrote and you know it it wasn't all that good (laughs) by no means but so, uh,
2: when when did you first start making your your first big connections, or wh- when was that
4: moment that you said, "Hey, I, I may just be onto something here"? It was it was more so just playing around my hometown, mm-hmm. and people connecting with it was was fuel enough for me to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that, like I said, that kind of turned into me playing around Michigan and not my you know playing outside of my hometown. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into you know if I can. If I can do this, and people are connecting with my songs mm-hmm. that I wrote, you know, I'm, I'm. Why not release them? Yeah. Not why not record them and release them to the people in my hometown and the people that like them outside of my hometown. Yeah. And then off of that first EP or CD I released, like I said, I I took off around the country, and and that was kind of it was it was more so it was more so not me believing in myself enough. Uh, I mean I do to a, to a degree but more so other people saying, man you you know you got something that's Keep good, going that's a good feeling isn't so it? it is it is a very good feeling. What's the Nashville experience been like for you? Ups and downs man <laughs> I mean being over being here a year and a half it's uh, it's been uh, like I said, just ups and downs but it's been I love it. I love the whole I love the community. I love just being around music all the time. now sometimes I need to break from it, but uh-huh. um but yeah, I mean just you you find your niche of people and you find your yeah your people that think like you do, and it's such a such a unique town in terms of people that are very there's some just educated people here mm-hmm. that you can that you get the chance to work with Mm -hmm. and then know what they're doing do you feel like for the most part they have been open and accessible to you yes i would say so Mm -hmm. i would say so you know you you, uh you you got your you got your people that you want to feel out but for the most part i mean i've surrounded myself with some very genuine honest people Mm -hmm. and so it's uh i've never crossed paths with somebody that i would never want to cross paths once again i guess i i don't know how to say it any other way but sure. that's uh yeah i mean there's it's very like i said very genuine and honest people that i surround myself with and that i don't really need to look hard to find yeah i guess so now that
2: you're doing this and making a, a living with it is there anything <laughs> ish? <laughs> ish i would <laughs> say ish is, is there anything else you would rather be doing or, or do you do you
4: feel like this is where you belong no man this is this is about it I've told many people I don't have a B plan at all <laughs> um, and no I can't I can't really see myself doing anything but writing songs especially at this moment like I said earlier I don't uh or I talked we talked earlier um, I'm not putting the artist thing away I mean I've released I just released it uh, CD songs from the van early in August um, and that's kind of me just having songs that I want to release and be heard uh. but like I said, the songs drew me here, first and foremost, so mm. I'm going to continue being a songwriter sure. till I die. Till sure. I, die. Sure. I mean, I don't really even need to... Um, I love playing the guitar, and I love entertaining people, but if that were to all go away, I would, I would continue writing songs. So bottom line, are you having fun with it? I love it. Yeah. Like I said, I can't, I can't imagine myself being anywhere else uh-huh. and doing anything else, and... Uh, and I don't have a bee plant, so I'm going to make it. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Sometimes that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. So what do you like to do away from music? <laughs> that's tough. Is there, is there an away from music? There's not really away from music. Um, uh-huh. I love spending time up in Michigan, where I'm from, mm-hmm. with my family, going back up there, and of course seeing my mom and dad. But they just bought a, they just bought a cabin on a, on a small piece of land um, attached to a uh, lake. Uh-huh. And so I love spending time up there because it's away from everything. Sure. And it's away from the city. I grew up in the country, so it's not this is this is taking some uh getting used to. Yeah. So being up there I love I love being up there and spending time with my dad and my family. Um I love reading. When I watched you walk in here to the record
2: shop, you uh, gravitated over to the book section, and you were you, you were thumbing through <laughs> some of those. Are you
4: a, a a country music historian? Do you do you like the uh, history
2: behind all this?
4: I would yes, uh-huh. I would say so. Uh, at the moment, I'm not reading anything about the history of country music, but mm-hmm. um, yes, <laughs> I would say I love like like I said too. I grew up on Waylon, I grew up on Merle and Johnny, and all that. So they got biographies, they got books, mm-hmm. and uh, me being a fan of them. I want to, I would, if they did it and how they did it, I could, if I could kind of take a little piece from that and say, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. I can do what they're doing, you know, I mean. Yes, back to your question. I'm a big historian, I guess.
2: So you were telling me offline here that uh, a place that, uh, that that you used to work at up in Michigan uh, was a fast line subscriber. Tell us about what what kind of work yeah. you were into there.
4: Yeah, we we dealt with. Uh, it was a place called Hotzi of Michigan, uh-huh. and we dealt with pressure washers. Yeah. So we, uh, I was kind of the grunt worker, uh-huh. and anything they needed, we also. Um, so from. You know, sweeping the shop floor to going out on the road and working on a pressure washer with a uh, with a service tech, um, and yeah, I mean, I was around. I mean, like I said too, I grew up in the country, so I was around that farming equipment pretty much my whole life. Uh-huh. And uh, pressure washer it, or just watching somebody pressure wash it uh, after we just got done fixing it. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool, and we uh, the Fast Line magazine was. I love it, like right there next to Auto Trader, uh, uh, <laughs> in the in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. It's uh,
2: a prominent place in many homes and establishments ar- around the country. It is. Uh, yeah, we uh, shout out to Hotzi. We uh, just saw them at yes. uh, at uh, some of the big farm shows in Columbus, Ohio area, yeah. and also down in uh, Georgia yep. uh, here recently. Those guys are out and
4: about quite a bit. So that's cool. Uh, that's excellent, man. I well, actually work for the Hotzi here too, as well. Oh, really? That's kind of what helped me. You know, move here. Okay. Is having that nice. stable income to some degree. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to have a little of that coming in yep. so you can eat. So yeah, you can think to <laughs> yeah, write. pay rent.
2: <laughs> and not have to live in the back of that van. And not huh? have
4: to live in the back of the van.
2: Man, well, you're getting it done, man. He's got two great albums out now, Desperado and Troubadour, which was his first, and also Songs yep. from the Van, yep. uh, which just came out recently. Make sure you go check those out. It's us, Alex Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Yeah. Make sure you check it out. Tell us about the website
4: and about the socials so they can go check those out. Yeah, you can go on uh, www.alexschofieldmusic.com. Um, and check out—you can purchase any CD. Uh, I got shirts, wristbands, stickers up there for sale. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that. Um, I'm not as quite—I'm not quite as active on that as I should be at the moment, just because I'm focused on writing music. Yeah. So, but I mean, like I—it's—it's it's released. The music's released. So please, that would be a huge favor, just to go check it out and give it a like, whatever. Well, it's, Leave great. A comment. it's great stuff, and don't
2: just take my word for it. We're going to get him mic'd up here and let him play go. some of it for you here in a bit. But, uh, Alex, man, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And, uh, Brent, thank you very uh, much, brother. Man, yeah, you're welcome back anytime to share that music. <laughs> awesome. Get him mic'd up, and we'll let you listen to Alex Schofield. Let's do it.
4: Hey there. My name is Alex Schofield. This is a song I wrote with a really good friend of mine named Stephanie Joyce. It's called Sun Stand Still.
0: He said, son, stand still I don't want to nick your ear Clippings fell to the hardwood floor As he tried to cut my hair He said, son, stand still This ain't no playground, it's a church His calloused hands on the old King James He knew word for word He said, son, stand still boy, this life moves pretty fast And some of it, you don't give back You get caught up in the spinning of the wheel So try your best to hold on to what you've got Before it's gone Enjoy the moments, cause some never will He said, some stand still He said, son, stand still It's hard to hear you on this old phone 600 miles from Saginaw My first year away from home He said, son, stand still When I was shaking in them boots I hadn't seen the old man in quite a while On the day I said I'd do He said, son, stand still Cause boy this life moves pretty fast And some of it you don't get back You get caught up in the spinning of the wheel So try your best to hold on to what you've got Before it's gone Enjoy the moments cause some never will He said some stand still He said, son, stand still With weak and tired eyes I took his hand, I fought back a tear And he smiled And said, boy, this life moves pretty fast And some of it, you don't get back You get caught up in the spinning of the wheel." So try your best to hold on to what you've got before it's gone. Enjoy the moments, cause some never will. He said, enjoy the moments, cause some, they never will. He said, some stand still. Sun stand still.
4: This next one here is a song about uh, just about dreams or dreaming and I uh, I moved to town I moved to Nashville about a year and a half ago And where I was working they gave me an upstairs office. And I was sitting around one Saturday morning and writing this song. And I brought it to my buddy named Ed Driscoll and we finished it off. It's called Earned.
0: Got it bottled up inside you Still you're at a loss for words You scream over the top of that back line Knowing you can't be heard. But it ain't something you're not fit for It's something you don't deserve Yeah, it may be tough to reach Cause it's something gotta earn Yeah, the top is where you're heading Direction's what you need It may take some time to get there Just do it at your own speed Don't go looking for a better day Or stand around and wait your turn There'll never be a handout for something that's got to be earned. So remember what I told you, no matter how hard it seems. The world is never easy on the ones who choose to dream. Got your will to dream and a head full of steam and a crazy, crazy heart. When your back's against the wall, your will to stand tall is gonna set you apart. It may take some time to get there, man, you still got a lot to learn. Just remember, it's gotta be earned. So remember what I told you, no matter how hard it seems The world is never easy on the ones who choose to dream 18 years old When my daddy he passed away He died In peace with a head full of Dreams In his last words I heard him say Son remember What I told you No matter how hard It seems The world is never easy On the ones Who choose To dream Choose to dream
4: Again, my name is Alex Schofield. This is, a that last song and this song here you guys can find, uh, on an EP, on a CD, uh, released on my website, alexschofieldmusic.com. but it's available also on Spotify, um, uh, uh, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, all that stuff, um, but I did some traveling around the country in a van, and this is, uh, and then I moved to Nashville, so this is kind of what this song, uh, entails, I guess, but it's called Headstone, here it goes.
0: i heading south on I-65 I got my van stocked up And my mind made up on how I want to be remembered when I die I've been pounding hard For the last three years With a little help from my friends But it's time I said I'll look past the clouds I ain't gonna be another has-been There's a million singer of songs Who all claim to be headstrong With the Gibson in a hand We have. a few poetic words be chiseled and be heard would make me a peaceful rest of man a vagabond dreamer a and a singer wailing was beloved by the world and Johnny's got a song
2: And those were the sounds of Alex Schofield. Again, be sure to check him out at alexschofieldmusic.com. As always, we want to thank our friends at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee, for making that performance possible. We hope when the shop reopens, you'll go and support them. They have a great selection of traditional country music on CD and vinyl and a huge selection of really cool merchandise. You can check them out at etrecordshop.com. And while you're searching the internet in your downtime, head on over to fastline.com. Check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. And while you're on the website, don't forget to sign up to receive the print catalog for your state or region. Even through this pandemic, the FastLine catalog is still being delivered to your mailbox. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the FastLine Fast Track podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. Also, be sure to follow FastLine Fast Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and add our Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. Next week, we'll continue to keep you up to date on the latest information on how COVID 19 is affecting the agriculture industry, and we'll have the music of a true Western music original, Rich Price. Until then, it's Brent Adams saying, Y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer focused marketing solutions, visit fastlinemediagroup.com and check out our brand websites, fastline.com bigag.com and pinktractor.com.
1: If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com.